0: entering the promised land and what it means to you what do i do with my hands (laughs) okay in seriousness yes i want to talk about so entering the promised land can mean a lot of things it can be financially it can be in your life it can be in your mindset so when i say entering the promised land i the, the question i want to ask you is what does it actually mean to you because the reason i want to bring it up and talk about it is because you guys josh and tony have done Something that very few people would ever do, and you made a full commitment into yourselves, and you focused on stabilizing by eliminating debt first, selling your house, moving four kids and the two of you into an RV with your parents, so you have eight people in an RV. Your moving... parents
1: lived in it too.
0: Yeah, you didn't know that, did you? No,
1: I did. <laughs> it's okay. It was huge. It's thirty-one footer. <laughs> <laughs> huge.
2: <laughs>
0: it's at least how many square feet a little over 200, yeah, at, least 200 <laughs> at least 256 square feet so so you you have eight people in an rv moving from minnesota to kentucky most people would never consider something like that you just went under contract you're just moving in starting the move in process closing your moving process new beautiful yeah. property i mean you're going from 256 square feet to 60 acres how many acres? 50 50 yeah. 50 acres That's amazing. It's incredible. So I want to talk about entering the promised land because that very much feels like that to me. What does that mean for you? For anybody, like Josh, if you want to explain this, for anybody that doesn't Mm -hmm. understand maybe what that means to them.
3: Yeah, so the biblical reference for entering the promised land, um, it's found in the Old Testament. Um, There's a man named Abraham, and God said he was a friend of God, so he was very close to him. And God said, I'm going to create in you, Something beautiful. I am going to create my chosen people through through you, and what um, and you you will be the seed. So that's where the father Abraham reference comes from. Um, and so God gave Abraham this this uh, vision to go and to um, take this land um, that that wasn't um, in his region at all. It was far far away. So he had took a big step of faith. He he packed up all his family and he went to this region. Um, and, and he was a nomad essentially in this region and, and just was there for, um, a couple generations. Um, so the promised land is, 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 and there's a lot more to the story. Um, Abraham didn't actually fully step into that promised land. In fact, his sons didn't fully step into that promised land. Um, but it was going to be something that, you know, God birthed through him and in him. and, And so, um, yeah, it, I'd encourage everybody to go read that <laughs> yeah. book. There's a lot more to it, but um, I think specifically for us, we've seen a lot of um, correlations to both the Abraham story and then later on Joseph, um, which was great great grandson of Abraham, um, who you know he saved the, the nation of Israel through um, being exiled in in Egypt, and then obviously Moses leading the children of Israel out of Egypt later on, and then back to the promised land.
0: So you touched on something there that I definitely want to talk about, and that is leading out in faith, like stepping out in faith. So that was my point in mentioning very few people. And some people might be wondering, how does this relate to money or business or anything like that? Like This will come full circle. You'll You will see how this ends up working with that, because until you do, you won't have the finances that you want. You won't have the business that you want. You won't have the life that you want until you truly step out into faith without necessarily knowing what that next step is. That's the terrifying piece. Mm-hmm. You and I are also having a conversation off camera that we'll bring up here, which is, you know, giving up good for great, yes, but the more difficult piece about it is not understanding what that great necessarily is. Mm-hmm. You don't have this playbook yet. You can't connect the dots forward. You can only connect them backwards. So if I can't connect them forward, what's actually next? So there's some good analogies that exist, so. yeah. If you're driving down the road you can, and it's night, you can only see how far in front of you. As far as your headlights reach. <laughs> as far as the headlights reach, exactly. So, But you don't get scared about that. You're not stressed out about that. You just are trusting that next step. So I think that in stepping into um, the promised land and understanding that if you're preparing, is there a greater show of faith than preparation? No. I don't believe so either because why, why else would you prepare if you didn't have faith and it becoming reality for you.
1: I think the big piece for me, too, in regards to the phrase entering the promised land is recognizing that um, in the biblical perspective, the Israelites had this idea of exactly what it was going to be. And it wasn't everything that they wanted, but it was everything that they needed. And it ended up being better for them. And that's something that um, I have recognized in this whole phase of everything. In the last year of selling our property, feeling like, um, you know, if we would have waited until the spring to sell instead of the fall, we could have gotten all this extra money. But I realized all of the process and everything we learned as a family by having this interim nomad period that was so necessary and worth every penny that we quote-unquote lost by selling in October versus in March or April. Yeah, And that is irreplaceable. Or um, even I, I was n- never, ever in any of our conversations, interested in buying an RV, like not even for vacationing. That was against <laughs> everything with that conversation and come up multiple times. And then when it came down to it and and we recognized like, okay, this actually probably would be the best next step for us. And we, I reluctantly moved into that position. And the beautiful things that came out of that in this last um, two and a half, three months of living in the RV with our children are, again, irreplaceable experiences, albeit very difficult. A lot of things were very difficult in that. Yeah. But recognizing that is part of our entering the promised land and that if we hadn't laid those foundations of these experiences, we wouldn't be able to see the beauty within what is coming next.
0: What's it like owning property by being homeless? Because
3: <laughs> we have other people living it.
0: <laughs> We're not going to live it. Yeah. Is that a weird feeling?
3: So, yeah, it is super weird. I actually joke at work about with the guys like,
0: like, yeah, because let's give a little con. Let's give a little context that you're real estate investors. Yeah. Um, you're doing extraordinarily well financially, <laughs> but you've never actually done better financially. Yeah. But you've actually chosen to go down this path. Yeah. Of discomfort, to get to what you truly believe is right. Versus,
3: I mean, you have other property. You could have just
0: moved. You could have moved into any one of those. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
3: I would describe it as never feeling like I had more, but also not having anything or like never having less but feeling like I have more it's it's this surreal experience like I can literally afford anything it, I want right now and we were talking about buying a new truck yeah you could just we, do it we could do it we could just go out and buy a new truck if we if we wanted to but also like Tony, I Tony's don't, like I'm I don't have receiving... a <laughs> I don't have a place to lay my head at night like I'm like Todd can I sleep at your house <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> so and now you have the mega
0: bed downstairs which is awesome the coolest (laughs) name ever we got you know just the the house is loaded with kids right now and family it's awesome like that's what i love about this this is so cool
1: yeah it's again those experiences where i would have never chosen that yeah and and recognizing that this actually is building a foundation in my kids that i'm starting to recognize where in the beginning it would cause me anxiousness of like is this ruining them because Mm -hmm. we're moving around and doing all these things all the time and recognizing the beauty in it and these experiences we never would have had had we not chosen to live by faith and even them recognizing it too when they'll ask like why don't we just buy this house with each one that we went to go view and this isn't what the lord has asked us to do or our 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 eight-year-old has asked multiple times in this process like why didn't we just wait to sell our our home and until we found a home to buy and, and trying to explain to him, that's not, that's not really what the Lord has asked us to do. And, and seeing that process in him of recognizing like, this actually has been a beautiful thing that we've experienced, right. yeah. um, has been, it goes back to the Abraham story of, of this process is also just as much for them as it is for us and not taking anything away from that.
3: Yeah. There's been so much growth in this time period, a conversation you and I were having off camera. I actually had a uh, epiphany when we were, in this process is like, because I, we we could literally buy anything that we want. I mean, we're not billionaires by any means, but but I don't have a lot of needs. So like, but I had the thought like, man, everything is obtainable for me right now. Yeah. And then I was like, but there's more that I'm learning in this when I have nothing. That I like, this is so important for us right now. And like having that, like if I if I filled my life with stuff. I would miss out on what this opportunity is right now. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> it's so cool that you've made, to be able to afford whatever you want and choose, and this is actually something I wanted to ask you, Aisley, is that have you ever been in a scenario in which, you know, you don't know, like you're feeling called to something. You're feeling called to make a decision. Okay. And maybe it's a decision that you don't want to make, but you're feeling called to it. How do you make that decision knowing that there's something better on the back end of it, but you don't know what it is? Like, have you ever had that feeling or had to do that?
4: Oh, in hindsight, I definitely have. There's been plenty of times where I've been like felt called to do something and you know in the back of your mind, it's what needs to happen, but you you just don't want to do it. You don't want the change, like you're scared of the change.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
4: And in my experience, God and life is going to make it happen no matter what, whether you want it to happen or not. So it's just better to make the change that, and listen to him than to just not
0: do it in my experience i like to wait six months until it's so painful that yes until
4: i literally have no choice but to just make that decision yeah
0: yeah that's a great experience <laughs> yeah yeah he knows i'm stubborn <laughs> <laughs> i'm very stubborn he knows i am the equivalent of the french bulldog downstairs just standing there Yeah. <laughs>
1: well and that'll start to change the more you practice it yeah mm-hmm. and you guys talk about that a lot on all the episodes is that the practice is part of everything that we're doing whether it be in life spirituality mm-hmm. finances anything that you're doing mm-hmm. and we have had the opportunity in our marriage to practice it together. And I think that is what makes this even more powerful is that we're making these decisions together. And we recognize when when we both hear go, we don't question anymore. We just do it. So when he said, I think we need to do, we need to buy the RV. I I mean, I did question it for several hours and then (laughs) it was confirmed multiple times through multiple people that this is what we needed to do. And we didn't hesitate. We were like, okay. So I mean, it was a Tuesday morning when he brought this idea to me Mm -hmm. and then we were driving the RV home Wednesday evening, yeah, like the next day, and so we're making these decisions now really quickly, and we can see that acceleration because we've practiced listening and hearing and doing, and and it doesn't take as long in hindsight. And
3: we've seen the miracles and provisions in it when we yeah. answer immediately. It goes so smoothly. Like mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have been in the it's RV still market painful, lately,
2: but it goes smoother. <laughs> the RV market. <laughs> the RV market. <laughs> I am
3: actively trying to avoid the RV market. <laughs> It is it is hot, let me tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good hot one. market. So the fact that we heard to get one and we got one the very next day, which is mm-hmm. exactly we... what we wanted and for the right price. I mean it's mm-hmm. that's unheard of.
1: We had even called we have some friends who own an RV um, dealership and we'd even called him first that morning even. And we were like, this is what we're looking for. This is our price range. And he was like, no, you're going to need to add like another 30000 to that price range and then wait another like seven months. <laughs> and so we were like, ah, okay.
0: Exactly Exactly <laughs> what our game plan was here. Yeah. Yes, shoot. <laughs> and
1: then to see it happen in the way that it did was amazing. Um,
0: so there, there's, there's something in there that's really important to recognize. So there is, um, we would all agree that there is a compounding effect to your results when you make good decisions. Would mm-hmm. you agree yeah. with that? Yeah. So what's something that a lot of people don't talk about is the difference or um, the difference in level of result that you get in comparison to the time in which it takes you to decide and actually take that action?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So a lot of people will know that they need to make a decision, and they'll make the decision, but they won't actually act on the decision for say ninety days, mm-hmm. right? Now that person who takes ninety days to make that decision in six months they have a certain level of result. What's funny? is the person who makes that decision, but makes, it takes the first action step that same day has a higher result within that first 90 days than the other person who's got the 90 days plus the six months because there's Mm -hmm. a compounding effect to it. So I think that's a good point. So how do you do that though? Practice. That's that's the question. So practice. Yeah.
3: It's, it's practice. And it really helps when you have a, a partner, somebody working with you, who's like there to help you and, and support each other, you know, I, I didn't want, necessarily want an RV either, but when she presented all the facts of where mm. we were at and what, what made sense, like the RV is the first thing that came to my mind. It just, it made sense. Yeah. And she was reluctant on it. But I think because it was like, uh, this is the logical sense, you know, the next step for, for me.
1: Being mobile. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I would have preferred to stay in like fully furnished Airbnbs. I, you know, come <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> to like have a level of comfort, you know.
0: I would like to have a mega bed. <laughs> <laughs> To give you guys a picture of what the mega bed looks like, it's a giant beanbag. There's an air mattress. There's like a, a there's like a blanket fort yep. made up in oh, yeah. in the basement right now. Yeah, that like everyone's staying in. It's awesome. It looks like a, it looks like it looks like L.A.
1: And my
4: family's like, look <laughs> how much room we have.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, let's yeah. yeah,
1: like, yeah, like, <laughs> so, hey, I have so much that. This around. is your kid's wildest dream. Oh, it is.
0: They're having a blast.
1: But as my ten year old put it, I'm living my best life.
0: Yeah, she literally came outside on the patio last night. And she was like, "I'm having the time of my life." The time of my life. That's <laughs> I was what like she that's said. amazing. Yeah. I'm excited about this. That's incredible. Yeah. So Okay, so practice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to my point and like you guys making quick decisions and getting better results because of it, where are you at a year ago? A year a year 18 months ago. 18 months ago is about when we met. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And 18 months ago, you're fighting through finishing out um Debt, like eliminating debt, stabilizing, and your full time job, which you're not happy with. Um, Yep. Your full time home with the kids, but like. Doing odd end things, like do you want to explain, like just maybe what that looked like and felt like? Because this we're talking about eighteen months here. I don't even know if it's been eighteen months. We'll just round it and say it's eighteen months. We're talking about Mm eighteen months of difference here. Yeah, January
3: we closed on the rental. That's about when.
1: Yeah, we were actually really proud of ourselves on closing on our first rental because we had been wanting to do this for like six years. Yeah, and then like a week later is when we came to one of uh, the first real estate events that we'd ever been to, ever paid for. Yeah. And we met you. That's what I was supposed
0: to say. That's where we met. Yeah. 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 And your opening line to me was...
1: Help me, I'm poor.
0: (laughs) She did not. She walks up to me. We have never met in person. She walks up to me. She puts her hands up. She goes,
2: help me, I'm poor. What did you say? What was
0: she? What do you mean? It became a comedy show for the next 30 minutes. Oh, man. We just stood around and laughed until we couldn't breathe. We had to take a break from each other because we we needed to breathe and then came back together and then Mm -hmm. figured things out.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I had to go back to my hotel room and stare at the wall for a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Reconnect all of your brain cells. Yeah.
0: So... That's that's actually how we met. That's a yep. real thing. Literally how we met.
4: <laughs> so what were your jobs when you first started?
1: So I actually I was a um freelance sign language interpreter for almost fifteen years. Whoa. And so I didn't know
4: that. Yeah. yeah, yeah and I
1: loved it. I loved what I did. I was able to travel a lot. Um and it became so much of my identity and I didn't recognize that. When COVID <laughs> happened, I had to step back from that because I lost a lot of my work kind of overnight. And um, then I was able to stay home with the kids and recognize like that was so much of my identity that wasn't truthfully who I was. And because we had been so interested in real estate for so long, I was able to start um, catching up on more information. And that's when I had found this real estate community and was like, I want to get involved with this. And um, we actually had just gotten our Tax return back, and it was the yeah. largest tax return we had ever gotten. Mm-hmm. And so when we did the interview as to whether or not we were a good fit for the community, they were like, "This is how much money it's going to be," and we were like, "We're going to do it." And it was everything that we had in that savings account. And it was only because we got we had this tax return. Just perfect timing. It was yeah, perfect it was. timing. It was. And <laughs> I we were very
3: resistant. I did not want to.
1: Yeah, because we'd never had that much in in an yeah. account, and we had just become completely debt free. So we were only having like our typical. You know, utility expenses and the mortgage, and that was it. Everything yeah. else was paid for.
0: You were you were going down. In a, in my opinion, though technically stable, probably at that point, it's a very dangerous path of just only thinking of budgeting. Yeah, like there was a difference between budgeting and forecasting. Yeah. So like we forecast to literally spend money every month that way it comes back to us. But yeah. if you're only budgeting, you're actually living in financial minimalism. Yeah. And if you're living in financial minimalism, everything is a risk. Yeah. yeah. So so you're at you're you're at in my opinion a turning point at that point.
1: Well, and if you want to talk about timelines, the forecasting I think is new to us in the last month even. Yeah. I think that we were stuck in that budgeting
3: We we had been doing a hybrid forecasting just because of how quickly things are moving. Yeah. So it was like we actually didn't have time to sit down and like just go through yeah. every, you know, expense on the on the on the sheet. So um we just kind of have to make these broad sweeps and it's Mm -hmm. easier once you get momentum, once you get that movement, um, to, to do that forecasting. But like until you had expressed that to us, I don't think I had even kind of like fully understood what I was doing. Yeah.
1: And we also feel like there's a reason why we're supposed to make a certain amount of money. Like we have this dollar amount that we know that we're supposed to reach. Mm -hmm. And so there was this interim period of all of a sudden the money is coming back and we wanted to be very careful with how we steward that in in the appropriate way um and and recognizing to learn how to trust ourselves within this and that was a conversation we've had multiple times where you helped us recognize that we're already being trusted and to stop having that unrealistic fear of 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 um putting it in the wrong place because we wouldn't be getting it if we weren't already being trusted with it correct yeah
3: yeah yeah so i was uh or am a mechanical engineer and have been for the last 10 years. Um, So that's, that's my job. I have a W-2 position. And so I've, I've always been the breadwinner um, and what my income is. We started doing Mm -hmm. this, what, eight years ago or something. So we try to live off just my income and everything that she brings in from uh, interpreting or went to
1: our debts, really.
3: Yeah, went to debt. And then after our debt was um, cleaned up, we started Mm -hmm. to put it away for investing and so right and you're
0: also and you're, and you're also licensed so you're an agent. Yeah, I'm a
1: licensed real estate agent yeah. in Minnesota and then soon yep. to be in Kentucky as well. She,
0: she enjoys working for tips.
2: <laughs>
1: yep. Not quite 3%. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'd like to discount that. <laughs> All the agents listening right now are like, "Wait a second. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so, so um, did you guys say you were comfortable before you started, like you bought your first rental, were you comfortable or were you kind of struggling? No,
1: we were comfortable.
4: Okay, we, so you were like... Yeah, yeah, just
3: become comfortable, though. It was like new to us. Okay. Because now we were debt-free and it's like, ooh, that was a giant weight that was lifted. And like, I, in fact, we were so proud of ourselves. We had just bought our first rental. <laughs> and it was... Enter a, Todd. It was a really good deal. <laughs> and we'd bought it on, off the MLS and all the things. And we were killing it. And we were going to... Repeat this process after you know. So we, it was.
1: We used all of our own money. Yeah. yeah, and we're like, "This is amazing! Look at us!" And then we come to our first, come to our first event, yeah, I'm poor. A- and everyone's like, "You did no, you did what? <laughs> how could this is how you're what?" And like, so no, this is a good job. We did good. <laughs> so we've been learning a lot of creative ways to use the finances that are coming to us to accelerate it faster, which is where you're saying, what is this timeline? In the past 18 months, um, if we would not have invested into the community, and we've invested multiple times now into different programs and things within the real estate community Mm -hmm. to learn um, and private Mm -hmm. coaching. And if we had not done that, we would still be stuck with just this one rental versus all of the other opportunities that our money has been able to compound to put us in the position we're in now.
3: Yeah, so I had us on like... every five years we were going to try to buy one or two rentals. And then I had high goals of like, maybe I'll get five in a year or something like that. That was my goal. But realistically it was like, if I can get an average one a year or Mm -hmm. maybe two a year, and then every five years we can cycle up or something like, so I had a very like drawn out, um, yeah, way of of achieving our goals. And you
4: had like a map and then you walked in and Todd just like, (laughs) yep. Ripped it. (laughs) Sorry.
0: My apologies. (laughs)
1: We just had no idea and we had we had consumed so much real estate information over six years we're you know bigger pockets but had but and...
0: hadn't acted yet no that was, not what I was, that was what yeah. i was talking about decision yeah. made
1: mm-hmm.
2: and
0: and and first action step is what creates the result yeah so six years yeah of research so six years between decision and first action yeah, yeah.
1: and and actually not learning anything, we realized. Like, even though we'd consumed all this stuff, because we hadn't taken the action, we actually didn't learn anything. Yeah. That all of that information we had taken in really wasn't that beneficial to us.
3: I wouldn't say it wasn't a value. Yeah. Um, wisdom comes from experience, though. Yes. Right. Yeah. Apply yeah. It from, was infor- yeah. information and not wisdom. Yeah. So, so education we, and not wisdom. Yeah.
1: Our, our yeah. big goal, first goal, was to be able to get both of us home to spend more time together as a family. Mm-hmm. And so in... Um, July of 2022, I was able to retire from my interpreting position completely yeah. um, and focus on my kids and homeschooling and then real estate second. And I think that was another big, huge moment for us was recognizing that we don't need any additional income from me yeah. to continue doing what, what we're being called to do.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. So here's a question. Here, here's the here's question. You were reluctant... Spending on self education essentially, which is totally natural because mm-hmm. it's scary, it's new. There's no guarantee, really. The, the I think one of my favorite things is people will ask me, like, Well, what guarantee do you offer? I guarantee to show up as long as you do mm-hmm. mm. because I can't want it for you more than you want it for yourself. That's super toxic and it'll just drive me into the ground, so I can't do that. I learned that the hard way, um, so I can only guarantee that I'll show up as long as you do. And then the other guarantee is that it'll work as long as you do, too. Mm -hmm. So when people ask, like, oh, a guarantee, you're actually asking for the guarantee in yourself at that point. You're not actually asking for the guarantee in someone else. You're actually just worried about you not committing to it, right? Mm -hmm. So here's the question. Are you in the situation that you are today? Are you even in Kentucky if you don't overcome that and actually make that decision? Are you still in Minnesota? Are you still in the same financial situation? Because we've, talked in the past about this, is where it's really difficult to go out on that faith step and, and make that decision, not knowing what that next result is, but knowing that you need it. So how do you overcome that discomfort? Like, how did you finally go? You know what, I'm reluctant, but what's the worst that could happen?
3: Yeah, I think I just saw how long it was going to take me to because i laid out that plan that roadmap and i was like oh man it's 25 30 years before i'm where i want to be and like i don't know a better way i've I've done six years of research i've done my due diligence as as far as that piece i've um, talked to everybody i know yeah um and so like i'm gonna take i'm gonna take this i'm gonna take this chance because yeah, it, it is a risk. However, the the upside's amazing. Mm-hmm. If, if what these people are saying to me, if what Todd is saying to me is true.
1: <laughs> I've tested it multiple times. It's true.
0: My favorite line from Tony that she's ever told me, she said, even when Todd's lying, he's telling the truth. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what was the context of so that? So the
0: context of that is I told her, I was like, you can actually get a free house given to you and she's like that's not possible. And I was like, no, seriously, if you find a large enough problem, you can approach that person. Don't bring up money and just let them know that you'll solve the problem in exchange for the house. And she's like that's not true.
1: No, that doesn't happen. And then? And then did it, happen it wasn't even like 3 months later.
0: She got a free house. I got a free what did house? you do
1: to get the free house? I Solved I met problem. I met the guy and I was like, what do you what do you need cuz he wanted he just had this house that, you know, he had specific requirements for and I just let him talk and then we were willing to pay for it. And then by the end of it he was like you know what i just if you will if you will take care of this and rebuild it to what it was i will just give this to you and we were like okay and then i had to call todd and be like (laughs) (laughs) turns out you weren't lying (laughs) but there there were multiple things where i was like he's telling me this but like and this is actually where the the pain before comfort comes right you Mm -hmm. talk about that a lot where we had this plan and we thought we were so smart and because we had done all this research, and when we first hired you for coaching, you were telling us to do things that went completely against everything that we felt comfortable doing. 100 against what and my plan was. Completely against what he thought should we should do on a spreadsheet. But we knew if we kept going down our path, we're going to get the same result. Mm-hmm. So we were like, well, the worst that we can do is do the things that Todd is telling us to do. And... Either it works or it doesn't work. And then we're at the same position we're in. Mm-hmm. And so instead of continuing down what we, we thought we could do to make ourselves successful, we took the actual action steps that you had been suggesting. And I mean, it took six to eight weeks for us to see exponential results doing what you had suggested versus what we versus what we were thinking was going to help.
2: Yeah.
0: So this is important for a lot of people, in my opinion. This is something that goes understated and why people stay the same. And that is, so I want you to share some, as much of your story that you're comfortable with, okay, this is specifically for Tony, is that I think it was actually during that first time that we ever met, I had asked you some questions about the value of money in your life and how it can benefit you. And you were very much so coming from a place of trauma where like, I, what we're going to get into here is what we're going to talk about is being open to receiving and understanding that you're the value and not the money, and so what I had you do, I was like, I want you to ask everyone in the room if they would take your money, if they would borrow your money for an investment, and everybody in the room raises their hand, mm-hmm. right? And then you go,
4: Oh, you'd want my money? <laughs> <laughs> I what? remember this. Yeah, I remember this. Yes. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. That, so what? What that? That's coming from a and there's so many people like, okay, the mission is to end financial suffering, right? There's so many people that don't recognize that they are coming from a place of financial trauma. Right, and they're correlating their trauma with finance, so that's why money is actually a bad thing to them subconsciously. That's why they mm-hmm. struggle with money, and that's why they're not practicing it. They'd rather avoid the problems with it. It's easier to run away from it than it is to face it. So, my question to you, which I think will help a lot of people, how did you overcome your money trauma? Because there was some real struggles in the beginning mm-hmm. with like valuing you over the money and how the money could benefit you and be a tool versus pain. It like it equated to pain before.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not sure I'm totally over that Yeah. Well, well, yes. it's
0: well, that is a great... So what I love about that answer, so mm-hmm. like just in, in starting it that way is what Josh was talking about. Well, this is a practice. Mm-hmm. Most people think like, I got to get to this finish line and then I'll be good. Yeah. It is an ongoing process and practice, so...
1: Yeah, I think that's actually a big piece of the understanding for me was that recognizing there isn't uh, a finish line. And... um knowing that there's going to be steps along the way. And um, like I'd mentioned before, the biggest piece for me was um, trusting myself that we're stewarding it well when it comes. Um, and for the longest time, and I even kind of joke about it now, um, which I should stop because our words are powerful. But <laughs> for the longest time, I just would write it off as like money's fake. It's not real. Like it's not even something that really exists. It's something that is kind of pretend. And when I treated it that way, it responded that way to me in my life where... Yeah. Um, when I started recognizing it as a tool and a resource to provide for the goals and the ambitions and the things that I need to accomplish in my life, that's when things started acting in accordance to that as well. And so um, learning how to talk about it appropriately, I think is what changed a lot for me within that is not recognizing it as um, like something that won't come to me or is going to when it leaves me, it won't come back. That was a big thing that we talked about. Mm-hmm. Being afraid that if I send this out, in, in regards to coaching, just the coaching piece alone, if I let this go, it's not going to come back to me. And if I had that mindset, then I wasn't going to take the action that was um, in accordance to it coming back to me. But when I changed it to say, this is going out so that it can come back tenfold, then it was coming back tenfold, sometimes twentyfold. Yeah. And so the big thing for me was changing how i spoke about it and recognizing it as a friend and a tool and treating it that way versus it being something that is scary or will take from me
0: then your net worth increased like 800 percent it was like 833
1: percent or something like that in six months when we started yeah you had you had had
0: the actual statistics on it so you and angel you felt this before too The understanding that money is actually a relationship. So you Mm -hmm. even called it a friend right there. Like, how would I treat this friend? If I treat this friend poorly, like the friend's not going to come back. So why would the money?
4: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like hoarding the money, just like keeping it all as much as you can. Did you have a fear of having money? Was that
1: something you dealt with?
4: I didn't realize
1: that's what it was. Okay. But yes. Okay. And, And actually, this was something new also, like within the last two months, because we were trying to figure out how much money we had that sounds so funny to this say is that out loud. no one
0: cares about our problems <laughs>
4: <laughs> how much money do i have no i say <laughs> and, that all the time because and I reckon, i'll go to spend money like a, yeah. a large amount and i'll be like you know what i haven't looked at like my bank account or anything in like a month how much money do i have so, most people
0: are checking their bank at before they go to yeah. the grocery store yeah yeah that's that's a, that's a trauma Where i'm like
4: do which, i have enough in my checking from like my business account to spend that, like i just don't check anything ever yeah yeah, yeah. so the,
0: literally the grocery store becomes a trauma at that point yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So we um, were so good at budgeting though. So like there was an account that I, we, I knew exactly how much a month I could spend on groceries. I knew exactly how much I could spend and that was all in that account. So I always knew how much was in that account, right? So that was a little different than I think most people. But because of the different businesses we run, I had separate accounts for everything. Well, then when, when more money started coming in, our uh, personal account started growing and I, was, I had fear seeing that number grow. And I didn't realize that's what it was until recently. So what I did is I went into the bank. Like I spent my own time going into the bank and setting up new accounts and giving cute little names. And I would take money and hide them in different accounts so that I couldn't see it. Because I had a fear, again, didn't recognize that's what it was, that if I saw it in there, I would spend it inappropriately. Um, which is actually not a problem I have, Yeah, interestingly enough. You've never
0: been a bad steward. Right. Yeah.
1: So I don't. The don't reason even... the money is
0: coming to you is because you are a good steward.
1: Mm-hmm. And I've been taught to steward it well. Like my my parents taught me how to steward it well. Yeah. And so that's what's interesting is I don't I can't even really pinpoint where that fear has kind of come from. But recognizing that it's there, I think was the important thing for me.
4: There are definitely people out there who should do that. Like that could be a level of paying sure. themselves first, like getting the money away from them so they can't see it. But if you're if you're stewarding your money well, then it's definitely just a fear and it's kind of irrational. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: And it made a pain to clean up everything. <laughs> <laughs> how,
4: many accounts, how many accounts did you have? It was eight.
1: <laughs> we had to count them. And, and that was another thing too, recognizing the things that I hate doing and that I'm not good at doing. And then hiring somebody else to do those things for us. That was another new thing for us. And so being able to hire somebody else and also have that person tell me like, this isn't actually as big of a mess as you thought was also relieving to me. Like having someone else come alongside of me and be like, this isn't actually that big of a deal. This is how we're going to do it going forward. And, and taking that stress off of me so that I could focus on the other things that were important to me also accelerated us, which talking about the promised land, mm-hmm. like I, I want to be able to say, I know how to do this and I can do that. And I, I focus on all this. And the more I've let go of that and only focused on the things that I really want to do and let other people handle the other stuff, it has it's lightened my load it's helped my relationship with my kids it's helped our marriage um and it's refocused where we are supposed to be spending our time
4: that goes hand in hand with investing in yourself being Mm -hmm. able to like pay somebody else to do the things that you don't want to do or shouldn't do to free up your time because you're essentially buying your time when you do that Mm
2: -hmm.
3: yeah i think to what the comment todd made earlier about understanding the value like i think everybody inherently understands like oh i have value but I don't think you start to realize that until you actually apply. Like, no, I'm. It's actually more of a benefit for me to pay this person to do something because mm-hmm. my time is more valuable doing the things that is going to accelerate us rather than doing something for my own hubris mm-hmm. or, or pride because I'm going to do it all and I can do everything. You know? Because yeah, it just becomes prideful. Well,
1: and yeah. I think I think naming for me, where am I most valuable? Where am I most valued? And for me, it was as a mother in my home. And that goes against everything that my generation of women has been taught. And you're the superwoman if you can excel in motherhood and a career and in this and in that. And I was I was attempting to do all those things. And from yeah. the outside, a lot of people thought I was doing it, which yeah. I wasn't.
0: Everybody's looking at for your cape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: And being able to let go of those things that didn't bring as much joy and actually brought a lot of stress into the family or like my attributed my inability to sleep or things like that and recognizing I cannot pay somebody to do what I do in my home and to bring the value to my children that I bring that I was created to bring nobody else can do that so that's what I need to focus my time on and all these other things that I add value to aren't actually as valuable so that was the other piece of prioritizing where I bring the most value and can't be replaced
4: and you see like the progress from that in your kids. They're, they're great. I've, I've, I've only known them for all of like 15 minutes, (laughs) but they're so precious in the stories that Todd tells and stuff. Like you can tell that you, you do spend the time with them and you pour into them and you wouldn't be able to do that. Like you said, if you were spending time in other places that didn't give you the same value.
0: The piece that many people would miss in what Josh said about, Hey, I'm going to, well, both of you stayed labeling out like, where am I most valuable? When you are able to step aside from your pride and hubris and like everything's got to be on me, you actually provide opportunity for other people. Mm -hmm. Like it could be cleaning, detailing. It could be a number of things. Let's say you're not good at it. It takes your time. I've never mowed a lawn in my life, nor will I ever. And the guys who do our lawn, they're incredible. Mm -hmm. It's their business. It provides for them. Mm -hmm. And it even creates further opportunity with us, because they have opportunities at properties that are vacant and they're like, hey, like maybe this is a problem that you can solve. So it comes full circle, right? Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen if I'm like, I got to do everything and I'm out there with a push mower for 62 hours oh, a, a mm-hmm. week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Yep. laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, yeah. um, so it's really important to understand that, Tony, you mentioned you know, being open to labeling where my value is at and that rolls us into being open to receiving because you can't give someone else an opportunity unless you're open to receiving it. A Huge piece of finance and business and entering the promised land, told you would come full circle, is like if you want to improve your finances, if you want to improve your the peace in your life and the business in your life, you have to be open to receiving the gifts from other people.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Because if you're not, if you only give, okay, let's say you only give because that's what makes you feel good. And you're like, oh, it doesn't feel good to receive and... It feels selfish and things like that. Just imagine whatever you're giving to other people, they deny it,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then you cannot give that. It 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 blocks the blessing that it is for you to be able to give. Yeah. So that's why you have to be open to receiving because that's the only way that you can overflow and then to give and it completes and you know it completes the cycle, completes the circle, and then it speeds up over time. So mm-hmm. the more you give, the more you receive. The more you give, the more you receive. The more you give, the more you receive. And that's why when people people end up saying like, oh, eat the rich or the rich just get richer. Here's proof that you actually support that. If you won $50,000, who would you give it to to invest? Someone that knew what to do with it. You're going to give it to the rich guy mm-hmm. because they know what to do with it. And they're going to be open to receiving because they understand that they've practiced putting in the time and the value. And they understand that they're the value, not the money, and that they can separate themselves from it and put it into investment and return it to you larger.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So you actually support the thing that you're arguing.
1: I think that that is one of the big things that we've learned and it's solidified more in this nomad time for us. So instead of selling and moving right into the next property, Mm -hmm. we have actually had many opportunities to learn how to receive. And that was painful in the beginning for us because we were so used to being the ones giving and and learning how to receive in this time um, is part of, I think, that practicing well and where we are, where we're at, because we are learning how to receive what's going on around us too.
0: Yeah. That's how you have a hundred thousand dollar day. It's how, that's how you can make six figures in a single day is because you start the cycle of understanding, giving and receiving mm-hmm. because you're giving. It actually starts with receiving, not giving. Most people see receiving, um, as the back end. receiving is actually the front end. Mm because you cannot give something unless you have it you have mm-hmm. to receive it first this could be knowledge it could be love it could be experience it could be it could be anything mm-hmm. but how do you give something unless you have first received it
2: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. so that's usually an eye opener for people and they go like well I'll give then you know and then I will be open to receiving no you have to be open to receiving first you had to be i you had to be open to receiving help
2: mhm
0: I had to be open to receiving five years of pain to be able to pass it on to Aisley. That way she didn't have five years of pain.
4: Uh, you have to watch the last episode to understand that reference. Yeah. But he I was homeless it. for five years, so I I don't have to be homeless ever, hopefully. Yeah, Probably yeah.
0: not. Then, really, yeah, that's the goal. <laughs> that's uh, the goal. But you have to be open to receiving first before you can actually give. That's actually what speeds up the cycle. Mm-hmm. So if, you, if, if, you have, if you've ever met anybody who just refuses to receive, it's extremely difficult to be around... That person, right? Mm-hmm. And on the exact opposite end of the spectrum is the person who's needy. So you're talking about your relationship with money. If you're, if, if you if you you ever been around someone who's needy,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, like you ever want to be around them? Not really. No. So if you're needy for money,
1: yeah.
0: Why would money want to be around you?
1: Yep.
2: Yeah.
0: So you have to be, you know, understanding of the balance. So like when you have an opportunity to give and you're feeling called to give and you mm-hmm. don't give. Mm -hmm. That goes back to our original conversation of how do you make that decision? How do you take that action step, not knowing what's next, but you know it's right? It's extremely difficult to do.
1: Um, To give a little bit of practicality to it, um, the two things that we did from the beginning to start practicing this was um, hiring somebody to do our oil changes. And at the time that we did that, we actually, it was not really affordable for us to do that. Um, but we made the commitment that it was more important for Josh. And this is only um, a
0: couple years ago.
1: Yes. Probably mm-hmm. four years ago, this three, is a, three this is four a, years
3: maybe ago. Maybe even two years. Ago. Yeah. It was in long. between
0: two and four years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And you started the conversation with, well, I can buy whatever I want. But
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> like that's what it, it, and it, I just wanted to give practicality because I know sometimes, like if you if you watch podcasts and things like this, like I remember watching real estate things and being like, "Well, that's nice for you, right?" Yes. There's no way that I could get there. Yes. And um, to now, I've come full circle to meeting you and being like, "Well, if you can do it, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I can do it." <laughs> no, but from the very beginning, Shoe like fits. learning <laughs> learning how to like let somebody else do that, and it, to me, it came down to it is more important for the two days out of the week that you can be home that you're not out in the garage spending three hours changing oil on our vehicles. So we're gonna pay for somebody else to do that. We mm-hmm. did it with a coupon initially, right? But um, th- that, and then the other thing was, and this was only in the last year. This was last year. We chose to pay a service to um, plow our driveway. Yeah. And in Minnesota, that happens a lot. And yeah. so that gave yeah. us it's back like your in 30, nighttime. 40 hours of our winter. <laughs> it, is, it did, it gave us back a lot of time. But being willing to pay somebody to do that um, opened us up to so many different things, which kind of seems silly. Mm -hmm. But um, I wanted to bring some practicality to that because even though it was uncomfortable and it had to be a budget item for us because it wasn't like Mm -hmm. we were at this place where we had extra 60 bucks a week to pay this guy, but we chose to cut other areas so that we could get that time back together. And that's during that time is when we would put our real estate stuff into gear where we would have meetings that we were supposed to be on the calls and stuff like we had to adjust our time and recognize what we had to pay somebody else to do so that we could have the time to build what we were building even though it was uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and felt unaffordable at the time
4: I think that's really helpful when you put something in perspective like that like you're talking about just plowing your driveway or an oil change because like you said people on YouTube or anywhere where you're Mm -hmm. watching podcasts it's so often where we get comments where like this guy is out of touch with reality. Yeah. Because they think that you like that he won't he doesn't understand the life that they're living or where mm-hmm. they're at right now. I thought so that if, when I met him too. Yes. <laughs> I mean, understandably so cuz you're on the internet so you're just like behind yeah. a screen and you yeah. and you don't know somebody's past and stuff. So it's really helpful for you to give those examples because they were so recent too. Yeah. So to show where you are now versus then.
0: That's why the last episode we we spoke about just all the struggle that I went through. Yeah. Because it was <laughs> you, haven't, like, you haven't it watched
4: a- it it's not out yet it's like the episode that comes out this week okay. but okay. yeah we, we did like a whole episode on his story and like where he came from and the five years where he was basically homeless yeah yeah,
0: and yeah. You know, people don't re- people don't realize that struggle but then they resonate with that struggle mm-hmm. Yeah. so my question to you is you said like, how even though it was uncomfortable did you start valuing time over money because t- it, it's, money is so much easier to value mm-hmm. than time like you have to have some sort of ability to see past lunch is what mm-hmm. I like to call it. Yep. Like you got to be able to see multi-tiered consequences. You have to be able to see later on in a scenario where like, this is my first consequence. I ate a Twinkie and it tasted great. I get comfort. But everything after that is like, well, I'm fatter, blood sugar going up, <laughs> tired, I'm less confidence. So everything is pain that followed yep. it. Right? So somehow you were able to see like, if I value my time, even though the first consequence is going to be pain because the money leaves me and that doesn't feel good. I get Josh back. I get... Um, the, the kids have a better relationship or marriage is better. Like everything that follows is comfort. Mm-hmm. How did you do that?
3: So the interesting part is that the time does not correlate directly to the money. So you think like, oh, yeah. I'm going to give up this three hours of snow blowing, I'll be able to do three hours of real estate investing research or something. Yeah. And it, it doesn't work like that, mm-hmm. which is why I think that it's so hard to get to the, this answer that you're talking about. Yeah. But I think, you know, we talk a lot about uh, you and I, <laughs> Said out last night talking about like bandwidth or like my ability to take on more things. And and when I have time freedom, I have mind freedom. Mm. And so when my wife is more happy because I'm home and spending time with my children and I'm more happy because I'm, I'm playing ball with my kids in the backyard, all of a sudden like my whole life got better just because of my mood and just because of my attitude. And because of that, that then does correlate to, to good things happening. And I I can't like exactly point to like this led to this. But because of that, because you start creating a a culture, an atmosphere, a a presence of peace and you and you generate that and you you value that in your home. Mm -hmm. The the outcome from that is growth and acceleration and all these other ancillary results that don't necessarily correlate, but are 100 percent connected.
1: So talking about the promised land. Last year, we were in a position where we were very comfortable to to what your earlier question was. And we had multiple conversations of, do we really want to mess this up? Because we were out of debt. We had a little cushion. We could mm. do... A good cushion. Yeah. And I was calm. <laughs> and then we were like, do we really want to try to make this real estate thing work? Do we really want to try to push more? Do we really want... Um, because we we know we were being called to these bigger things, but it was so easy to stay in our own little Egypt because we were being fed, we were being cared for, we were we had no needs, we had no everything was there and we had we had reached this like American dream. We had a beautiful house, we had great neighbors on both sides, like my best friend lived on the I mean, if I needed an egg and she was on a phone call, I would just walk in and grab an egg from her fridge and come back out. Like it didn't it we it was a perfect little life. But we knew that we were being called to something different. And the pain that we have gone through in this last year could be a whole nother book and and everything. And the fact that we chose that yeah. to, to get to the promised land is what the Israelites really went through in, in that time period. They, they intentionally put themselves in homelessness. They intentionally put themselves in a position where they didn't know where their food was coming from. They had to trust that something bigger was on the other side. They had to see beyond their um, headlights to that analogy and that's where we've been in this last year and we're slowly coming to the end of this season um, of recognizing all of the experiences and the pain and the discomfort and 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 what is to come next like I can't even I can't even fathom it if we can continue to practice this
3: well and even seeing what's coming next I mean we're about to close on a home you know, God God willing it but even that in itself like it, it has a whole nother level of discomfort that's going to come with it a whole bunch of things that we've never done before Mm -hmm. a whole bunch of uh expenses we've never had before you know a a place we've never been we don't know anybody there we have no friends no infrastructure so i mean there is um this like relief of like oh we 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 see what's on the horizon but the in it is also this other discomfort of like oh man (laughs) why did i do this
2: again (laughs) Yeah. yeah
3: but um to what tony says like when you start practicing, you know that like that looks like a giant mountain, but there's there's a, there's a greatness on the other side of that, or on top of that, or mm-hmm. or wherever it is, and that, that that's actually what I'm called to, and and it's not about how much I make or, or earn or or mm-hmm. um, even how much people I can bless. It's it's what who am I going to become when I get there?
0: Yeah, there's an exciting piece of who you become. So you're talking about the difference between sight and vision. Mm. So, a lot of people see sight and vision as the exact same thing, but in reality, sight's a vision of the eyes and vision's a function of the heart, right? So, if you you can only see, you talk about the mountain, like with sight, you can only see the mountain, so you stay the same, right? Even though the discomfort of eventually staying the same is far more painful than changing and growing. And a vision being a function of the heart, you're able to see through the mountain, you're able to see past the mountain, you're able to practice in faith, you're able to take the step, you're able to, uh, what you talked about earlier with, um, not knowing exactly where things are going to go, but I'm able to take the action step. I'm able to prepare mm-hmm. because I'm, prepare, preparation is the greatest showing of faith that you can have. Mm-hmm. So you're able to do all those things due to the function of the heart and the vision versus just with sight. So most people just see with their eyes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when they see, you've had people ask you, you're doing what and how are you doing this and this and that and like all these questions and then you say what it is and then they go, well... <laughs> must be nice (laughs) you get the must be nice or you get the Mm -hmm. that 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 that's not for me that that doesn't sound like Mm -hmm. possible you get you you get you get all you get all the doubt yeah right and then you see something else show up in their life where you're like this it's the exact opposite of what we just talked about so going back to you can't want it for them more than you want it for yourself Mm -hmm. right or you can't want it for them more than they want it for themselves excuse me yeah and you taking the step. Out of Egypt, mm. because wow, <laughs> by the way, because yeah. you, you had everything there. I don't think you recognize how similar our story is, actually. Because at one point, I didn't know where lunch was coming from. Mm-hmm. One time, I had a guy show up. He's still a friend today. Uh, entrepreneur. Entrepreneurs just know. You know what I mean? <laughs> Somehow he knew. He showed up at my apartment and bought me groceries and took me to lunch that day. And at that day, I was wondering how I was going to eat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No joke. I was at, I was at that point. And that's part of the five years. You're welcome. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome, Hazel. You don't have to deal with that now. You get the knowledge up front. You get the knowledge and the wisdom up front. You can avoid that. Uh, (laughs) But I made that choice. Just like you're talking about, like leaving Egypt. Like I could have called my parents. And my parents would have supported me. Like I made the choice to stay in the discomfort because I had to figure it out because I knew something on the other end Mm -hmm. was going to be worth it. That was that faith in that.
4: That's a really good comparison, not calling your parents. The same thing as them like moving into the RV. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. well, I have a question. When you moved into the RV, you didn't have like a property in mind yet, did you? You no. didn't have. You just moved in, leap of faith. You were, you were all in, and you were just. Yep. Here and by go. the time, did you know you wanted to move to Kentucky? Yes. Okay.
3: Yeah. Kentucky has been on our radar for a long time. We don't know why necessarily. If we're still finding that one.
1: At least two years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Still searching yeah. for that one. <laughs> I,
3: I did want to make one comment to what you were saying, Todd, because I think a lot of people look at like, oh, you're so far along. You've you've made all these decisions, and like this didn't start with us just like one day being like, oh, we're going to sell everything and and move. Mm-hmm. Um, it started with with saying yes to one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. It's it's staying saying like for us, real estate is that thing, and we're going to, we're going to look at it, and we're not going to stop looking at it. Yeah. And then it was just a it's a it's a practice of saying yes to a lot of small things that add up to, to really big things. And so I think that's the piece that a lot of people don't understand is like it it starts with saying no to some things that you want to say yes to. Yes. And it starts with saying yes to some things that you want mm-hmm. to say no to. And it's little things. It's little things. But it, when you're consistent in those, those will get bigger and bigger. And people say it to me all the time. I, I couldn't I couldn't handle what you're doing right now. And I said, no, you really can't. Yeah, because I practiced for a long time. I started where you're at. And it doesn't. Uh, you can get where I'm at. In fact, you'll probably get beyond me if mm-hmm. you do. If you practice better than me, because you can take my story mm-hmm. and use it to as fuel for where you're going. It propels you. That's yeah. exactly what it we're talking
4: it. about with the five years. That's like that's the joke. Is like she got he, to skip that five. Years I got to my skip pain. those five years. I'll never have to experience that because he went through it, got the wisdom, and passed it on to me. So he became a millionaire at the age of 30, where like I'm making six figures at the age of 20, and he couldn't do that because he had to go through those five years. Yeah. Right. But
1: not only not only that, but it goes back to the fact that you're willing to receive the wisdom of his five years yeah. in order for you to be able to give to, to what's coming next. Yeah.
3: And there's one more piece Aisley, Cause you're going to have to say yes to things that Todd never had to. You're going to have to say no to things that Todd never yeah. had to. So like his foundation is going to be your foundation. You know, you get to start from his foundation, but you will also have to build a foundation that you're going to launch others from. So like you're going to have those same sort of encounters and things, but they're going to be at a different level. right? And I think that's like, everybody cannot, we cannot get it caught in these compare games because your walk is going to be different than everyone else's, and it's mm-hmm. it's meant to be different because each one of us have to choose it for ourselves, for our own story, for our own path. Would you say that's why it's the promised land? Yeah, yeah, it really is. It's because um, we're all called to something. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a reason you're here, and there's a reason that that you are breathing right now. You have a purpose. You have an identity, and maybe you don't know what that is. I don't know what mine fully is yet. But it's it like
0: d- it develops over time. It develops over yeah. time.
3: It's it's that like I. Kn- it's not about obtaining things. It's about becoming who I'm supposed to be.
2: Yes.
1: And when you start recognizing um, little pieces of discomfort, I think that's when you need to start leaning into, <laughs> Lean into it. Lean in. Lean in. Lean in. Lean Like you need to start recognizing. Hope everybody gets a reference. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Lean into it. When things start to become uncomfortable, that's when you're being pushed to change, and mm-hmm. that's when people don't want to lean into it. That's when you start yeah. shying away, or, or it because it, the, the, the the discomfort um, is very painful.
4: Mm-hmm. And
1: um, there's over 170 women mentioned in the Bible, but when Jesus is talking to us about what's going to come during the very end times, he mentions um, Lot's wife, and. And the only thing we know about Lot's wife is that when Sodom and Gomorrah, the city, was being destroyed, God told them, do not turn back. Do not even look back at what's happening. Continue to your path forward. And she chooses to look back. And that actually, that phrase in the Bible doesn't mean just turn around and look back. It's looking back with longing for whatever that was yeah, and wanting that other than what's coming ahead. And it's a warning to us that when things get uncomfortable and you're trying to either stay where you're at you'll be destroyed or when you're taking steps forward and wanting to go back i two weeks ago before we had this house under contract i was like i'm ready to go back to minnesota (laughs) we gave it a good run (laughs) (laughs) we tried real hard no one's gonna be mad
0: yeah no one's gonna be mad everyone's gonna praise me for the effort that i've put in
1: and it was actually my 10 year old that asked me about that she's like what does it mean to be turned into a pillar of salt and i was like hmm we can't go back. That's what that means. Yeah. And I don't even think she recognized the impact that that had on me because that's exactly what that warning is. That when that discomfort comes, you are being called to step out. And with each step, you're also being called to let go of the longing for the past because whatever that is, is actually just comfort to keep yeah. you from the change and from the destiny that you have on your life.
0: That is so difficult. I openly struggle with getting attached to things.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, I, I openly admit it. Like it could be... Um, it could be car stuff. Like I struggle to give up cars even when the offer's right and it's gonna be the right decision and it's profitable. And I'm just gonna keep going down the list of benefits to selling it. But I'm like, <laughs> but it's mine. Like yeah. I do I do struggle with that, but I've been to your point practicing yeah. and mm-hmm. talking with people who are really good at the in and out and the and the giving up and receiving. And I like to think that I've gotten better at it. And, you know, either going through the, you know, some of the most difficult business decisions I've ever had to make in the, you know, the past few months and uh, f- physical items, like, you know, getting attached to them, letting them go and then seeing the benefit afterwards of like, oh, this is what that's actually about. Mm-hmm. I always see the picture. This is one that actually helps me. I think you might have posted this actually. Is I always see this picture of um, Jesus is kneeling in front of like this little girl. And she's got like this little bear. Mm-hmm. But he's hiding like this giant bear behind his back. And he's like, give me the little bear. I'm like, ah, I struggle to give up the little bear. <laughs> like, like, that's me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm that little girl. Everybody knew of my arms. Like, At my mother's arms. That's what...
4: <laughs> Just... Yep. The softest yeah. hands in the world.
2: So
0: I, have to say, I got typing fingers. No calluses. But... Remember that no mowing the lawn
4: thing that we talked oh, about?
0: Yeah. 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 If you need a guy to mow your 50 acres, I know a guy. It's not me. But...
3: I need somebody to bail it.
4: <laughs> Todd pulled out a screwdriver today and I was like, you own one of those? Yeah, no think, way. He I thought think... it was a pen when he bought it. <laughs>
0: So there was there was actually like a little pipe wrench pen that we have. It actually looks like a little tool, but it is a pen.
2: So anyway, so, <laughs> See, so, I knew it. Yeah, we're friends. Yeah,
0: we're, we're friends. We do. Things. He was confused. I think your Poor da- guy. I think your dad left the screwdriver here, but uh, <laughs> Greg left that around here somewhere. We
1: were looking for duct tape yesterday, and you were like, "It's not in the duct tape spot." <laughs> I'm like, yeah. do
0: "You have <laughs> a duct tape spot?" Yeah, of course. I think it's at the store.
1: Uh, <laughs> the duct tape spot is yeah. Lowe's. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, that's. That is, that is so difficult to do. When when you were talking about like your purpose and as it develops and you question it, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I do that too. There are times where I'm going through something, and all these things are relative. Like, so my selling a car, it could be you're selling, anything. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, like those are all relative things because my early things wasn't selling a car because I didn't know where lunch was coming from. Right. It could be it could be moving on from a, a game. It, it could be anything. Because it's totally relative and then you start to question, man, why this path? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'll, I'll see people struggle with certain things and I, I'll go through something that I know is difficult and I know, I know to get to that next level, I had to make that decision. Mm-hmm. You know, to get the next investment, I had to give up what I thought was a good investment and then I get the great one.
2: Yeah.
0: I know that people aren't willing to do that. Yeah. Or they so, just don't
1: know how. That's, that's I, where we were at.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. at least the person who doesn't know how wants it. Yeah. Right. Right. It's the person who doesn't want the next, like, the next mm-hmm. level or, or even stability financially. Yeah. That, that's when I question myself and I go, why this path? Mm-hmm. I know this is so difficult. I know a, lot of, a majority of people aren't going to do it.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: But here we are. There's also
4: right. a large majority that don't even have that awareness yes. that it is a problem in their lives. Well, well, that yeah. there is greater things that they could be like yes. stepping into. Yeah.
0: So you have to like adjust you even like in my purpose, I even have to adjust my perspective of it and understand like, you know what, instead of only measuring success off of ending financial suffering for everybody, introducing it to everybody that it's possible Yeah. and let them make the choice. Like that is help. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I think a common one, like I definitely struggled with this for years is like, finding I did, when Tony talked to this a little bit with her with her career but like when when you get that great job
2: mm-hmm.
3: they they've totally got their hook in you and you just feel mm-hmm. like oh i can't i can't give up the healthcare i can't i can't give up that paycheck i can't like yeah I, I realize it's it's not really a dead end job but the ladder is so tall and the rungs are so far apart like i've got 5 years before i can make my next step and five yeah. years before, then the step after that. And then maybe I got to wait for somebody to retire or die, <laughs> you know, before yeah. I can make a move. And I think like, if you, if you can have that level of vision, then you can start to see like, it's it's right back to the spreadsheet that I made of how long it would take. It's like, I was looking at 30 years before I would get to what I wanted to create or, or maybe longer. And the same thing with my career, like, and you know, I don't know what's going to happen with the future of my career. we talked a little bit about that, but um, it is a trap that you get stuck into with that, like, the yeah. being comfortable.
0: Squishy comfy is what they call that. You squishy?
3: Yeah, and even <laughs> if you're uncomfortable in it, the safety of it, because it's, it's... The
0: perceived safety of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that even goes back to, like, they're actually the value, and I, and I am riding that value. Mm-hmm. when in reality, you are the value, because if you leave, they're actually hurt, not you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. but people, But people do not think... Or see like that like if a doctor leaves a hospital who's hurt the doctor or the hospital who, who's who got the skills yeah. it's not the hospital it's right. the doctors. so the, the hospital has to go out and like find mm-hmm. someone else
3: yeah and you see this with uh certain individuals who like start their own clinic because they'll take their clients with them they understand like oh i'm the value here and they mm-hmm. can leave the hospital and their yes and their yeah. their clientele will follow them to wherever they land you know and right. it's just they understood that they were the value and like and that's what that's like understanding that I'm the value is not just like one concept. It's like it's a continual like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm the value here yeah, and here and here. Can mm-hmm. you
1: talk about um, when we had our first discussion about whether or not we were going to invest into the one-on-one coaching and the phrase basically that changed everything for you and why you wanted to invest when you were telling him, you know, we have this amount of money, but this amount of money is specifically my seed money for this thing.
0: I forgot about the seed money. Yes. Oh, my God. I haven't yeah. heard you say the word seed ever since. I think I'm actually joyous about <laughs> because, that.
1: <laughs> and this is why I want him to speak it out, because I think there's a lot of people in in the position that we were just in a year and a half ago, if it's even yeah. been that long, um, and had that same perspective, which I don't think was necessarily wrong. I think it was wise to think in that way, but we just had that shift when yeah. you made these comments. So where the seed goes. What's mm-hmm. the seed money? What does that yeah. mean?
3: Yeah, so... Um, you know, seed money, a lot of people think like i I need this to grow and and start whatever I'm doing
1: like for a business you okay have seed money or, yes. for business yes.
3: yeah or or an investment like you know this is I've been saving this ten grand because I'm gonna invest this ten grand this ten grand is gonna become fifteen. then I can take that seed. I'm gonna replant that seed and that's gonna grow. And so like I had this concept of like, you know, I need to take this to plant it to grow it. Um, and then I realized like if I plant that seed, in something else like I'm relying on that thing to perform but if I plant that seed in myself then I control how it performs
1: and you get to move around with it instead of having to try to transplant it mm-hmm. which yeah, then I don't, I don't have to can... pull
3: it out over here and go stick it in over here if I put it if I continually take the seed so there's a common practice like when you're harvesting you put a certain side a, a certain amount of the seed aside t- for the next year's harvest you need to replant you're going to harvest again you're going to save some you're going to eat some you're going to sell some and so like that's how you know you continue to grow and so there's this thought of like okay if i'm if i'm planting my seed in other fields that aren't my own like i i am the field that i need to plant in and like that's the that's the mindset the shift that happened is like wait i'm the value in which this seed should be should be spent on and, and planted you know i I should be, I should be Mm -hmm. sowing it into myself rather than these other places. And that's a hard concept to kind of understand. I I know that like for whatever reason it clicked for me and I'm hoping it will click for others. But, Mm -hmm. um,
1: so instead of taking the seed money that our intention was to put as another down payment of our own money into another rental to accelerate in the way we thought we were going to accelerate, we took that down payment. It was that large of an amount and put it into one-on-one coaching. And within six weeks, it came back to us. Instead of having to wait four or five years. And all order. it took
4: was one time for you to see that return. And it changed mm-hmm. your mindset completely. Completely. Yep. And so it's like when we do these episodes, when we're talking to the audience, we're like, just do it one time. Please just do it one time. Like, you'll see it. Mm-hmm. But you can't. You, you, People don't realize it until they experience it themselves. Yeah. And to do that, you have to put yourself in the position to experience it.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. It's vulnerable. It takes a lot yeah. of trust. It takes a lot of. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah especially when you're in the position we were in, like that was the largest amount of money we've ever had in a bank account. And we actually had to sell things in order to get it there. Like it wasn't something that was comfortable letting go of unless we knew that it was going to grow. And putting it into ourselves, we weren't confident that it was going to grow. We didn't know. Yeah. Which is that right away we did everything that was suggested instead of the way that we thought it was going to go. And Mm -hmm. that's why it came back. Yeah.
0: I love that story. That story never gets old. Actually, I, it, you. When we talked about that seed money, I bet I bet you said seed forty five times in that conversation. I'll like, say if you say seed money one more time and it goes to anything else but you, I tell you because what you're doing when you plant in yourself, you learn so skills, skill set, wisdom, experience, and you know what whatever it is that you plant in yourself like monetarily. You immediately get it back. That's Mm -hmm. what's cool. But you get to keep it and then it continues to grow and it continues to go. So, a a skill that you learn for a thousand bucks can become a hundred thousand dollars in results in a very short period of time. Mm -hmm. So, the more you're able to pour into yourself and the more refined it is like, if you learn how to wholesale for a thousand bucks, right? And you make a hundred grand in your first year. That $1,000 seed that you plant, your $1,000 seed money yep. that is planted in you just became $100,000 seed money for whatever investment you want to make, but you get to keep it because you have that skill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you growing your own value to get a better result because your results are right. just the summation of the actions that you've taken up to that point.
3: Well, and I think it's important to, to draw the, the line that, like, you know, you could argue that buying another rental would be planting it in myself but yeah. the the reality is like I wouldn't have grown then mm-hmm. it the, the... The thing that I was repeating, it w- I would just be repeating a, a yes. similar process. You, so. would just
0: been in dog- you would have just been in a better version of dogma. Yes. Just, I'm just going to go back to what I know, what I know, what I know. Right. And mm-hmm. like, let's say you get a 10, 12, 15% return, even if it's a 30, 40% cash on cash return at that point, where mm-hmm. you're getting an investment numbers out of nowhere. <laughs> but if you're getting a 30, 40% cash on cash return with that, you go, oh, that's amazing. But it, by you putting it in yourself, you got thousands and thousands. Of, you have an infinite, yeah. return, infinite return because it's going to continue to go. Mm-hmm. Yep. So being able to, like, I think, and I think that's a great, I think that's a great way to wrap it too, is just full circle, open to receiving, giving when it's scary, especially if it's to yourself, Mm -hmm. investing in yourself and actually entering the promised land of, you know, your, uh, your faith, your, um, your finances, your business all hinges on that preparation and that action step, the actual action step mm-hmm. of doing it, choosing to be homeless, <laughs> choosing to move into an RV, not knowing what that next step is, but knowing that the next level of it is greatness, leaving good for the greatness of it.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: That's a wrap.
4: That's a wrap. That's
0: a right, we'll wrap. It up. <laughs> <laughs>